Hey, Brenton, are you ready to do an episode? Just call me fucking banter. <laughs> wow, Kurt Russell himself, ladies and gentlemen, he's in the building. Watch out. Did someone say uh, uh, Kurt Russell? Did someone say uh, uh, The Hateful Eight? Did someone say the MCU? Did someone say, you know, <laughs> did someone say a mullet? That's what I should be saying. Mate, you would rock a mullet. Wasn't it like back in high school we did a play that you had a mullet for? Like, you looked good in it, mate. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I did. It was a blonde mullet. It was, that was a blonde was mullet. Blonde. It's like, do you ever walk yeah. around Sydney and you see, like, um, bloody blokes with the, the blonde, like, not blonde mullets, but just mullets walking around and you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe me. Yeah, you, you just, you, you sometimes I have an itch, an itch for a mullet. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're yeah. saying, mate. I do know what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> Would you ever have a mullet, though? That's my question. Would I have a mullet? Oh, jeez, no, God. I would look horrible in a mullet. Because, like, I've got short hair. Like, I, I like to keep it short. Every time it grows long, I, long, I feel like I'm turning into Rapunzel. So I'm like, nap, cut that shit out. <laughs> if, if I had a mullet, I don't know. I feel like I have to listen to a lot more rock and roll music. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, hey, put it this way. As, as, as the famous band Coldplay once said, if you never try, you'll never know. So <laughs> I say just go for it, dude. Like, just go for it. Just try it for six months. Just do it. No, I'm going to get so many looks. My mate Alex grew his hair really, really long, um, not too long ago. And he kept on telling me every time we go out to bars and that kind of stuff, people just started stroking it because it was so long. Mm. And I feel like a mullet would gain the same attention. But instead of, like, beautiful women coming to stroke the mullet, it'd be like bar fires just being like, oh, I remember having that haircut. <laughs> just having swipes. Hey, hey, it could work. It could work. I'm just saying. But in the meantime, welcome, 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 welcome to classic movie banter, the thing that works uh, sometimes. Sometimes. But it's also a, a thing that where we, where myself, uh, Brenton, and uh, this other person talking, Nathan. Hello, uh, hello. We discuss films that are older than 20 years. 20 years. 20 years, which makes them a classic in our in our book. And we, we decide on the merit of these classics, whether they're still worth watching today, or whether, you know, you should just throw them at the bottom of your trash can. Yeah, um, <laughs> you should check out your old DVD copies of these things, you know, because no, in an age a- where bloody new movies are dropping like like flies, we're having all these new blockbusters come out to a kind of lukewarm summer, Brenton. We've had a lot of blockbusters yeah. kind of stumble under. It's good mm. just to pull out the DVD collection and see what you got sitting about that maybe you haven't seen. Look, pull out your VCR, see if it still works, <laughs> see if, if it, it doesn't. So in if if it doesn't, you know, go just just get that shit digitally. You know what I'm saying? Just just hear you. just just stream it. You know what I'm saying? Get <laughs> yeah, you heard of this thing called Netflix. Yeah. Steven Spielberg says it's the death of cinema, but you know, Jesus. What is, and then what he comes he out. And he does that bloody <laughs> Apple TV announcement. He's like, oh, yeah, but yeah, Apple know, TV's right? not going to be the death of cinema. It's like, please. <laughs> um, but hey, Hello. look, it's episode 58. It is. We're getting old, Brent. 58. Like, we're getting closer to our parents' age. We've definitely... I think my father's 58. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I think there's a point in time when, you know, when when we're born... At, at the end of the day, when we're born, we start we to go. die. Can and you do this in a David Attenborough voice? Like, <laughs> when, the human, when a human is born, it starts to die. <laughs> and, and I would say at 58... Um, well, <laughs> we're well past the point of uh, the cells, you know, reproducing and, you know, growing. We're, we're not at the stage where they're all just fucking dying, really. <laughs> <laughs> that turned from, like, David Attenborough to, like, Love Actually's Bill Nye. He's like, I know, right? <laughs> you sound identical to him on the radio. <laughs> just like, oh, oh, Brenton. Look, we've decided to pull out a DVD copy of Escape to New York. Escape yeah, to New I York, Escape from the- New York. That's what it's called, right? Escape from New York, yes. and I uh, blew off the dust of it, uh, checked to see if there was any scratches on the back. Thankfully, there was none, and we no. popped it in, and we had a watch. 
We did. Brenton, what what a movie. A movie I want to know more about. So could you please pitch me this movie? I can pitch you this movie. I can tell you more about it. Oh, tell uh, me, mate. Hello. Hello, film producer Nathan. How are you? Very uh, good. Well, very good. Welcome into my office in the 80s, Well, Mr. thank Brenton. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, look, I got this idea for a film. Okay. And I think you're gonna. it's going to get you going. Oh, mate. So, I'm, I'm all ears. So it's a sci-fi film. I'll start off by saying that. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing that's getting you worried. But, yes. but don't worry, because because this is a dystopian action film. This is set in a time mm-hmm. where crime rates in the United States have risen by 400%. Wow, that's pretty steep. That's a steep incline. Is this that's compared what to what last year's crime rates or just in the future? It's in the future. Just don't think about it okay, too much. Okay, okay, I'm here. And, and it's in the future year of 1997. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to happen. I'm telling you. Like, oh, this I'm is hearing some, you, buddy. This is some serious social commentary. But, <laughs> but you've got to let me finish my pitch. I've only said the first point. Of course. Crime rates have risen by 400%. And do you know what the solution um, that, that the United States government has provided? Um, Hunger Games. Close. Instead... <laughs> Every single prisoner, or as I should say, every single criminal that is convicted is thrown into Manhattan, is thrown into New York. Oh, it has become a, it is, it's, it is contained, it is become a, a city, uh, prison that is, is walled off to the public and we're just going to throw all the baddies in there and that should fix the issue. So you're basically turning New York into like 2013 era King's Cross. Yes, I precisely. Knew of course, because that's the natural way to fix all of crime, just to build another jail where they all run about loose. <laughs> exactly. In, in the most like metropolitan dense area of the planet. <laughs> but Nathan, you might be onto something because guess what? In the plot of this film, this idea, it doesn't work. You want to know why? Why? Because the president of the United States is kidnapped <laughs> from Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> and guess and guess where guess where he is taken? What happens to the president of the United States in this movie? He gets taken to fucking New York. <laughs> now look, that's 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 a movie in itself. Yes, but, quite but, right. But my movie is going to take place after that. You know this guy called Kurt Russell? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. I heard he was uh, the voice of the Fox and the Hound. Apparently, yeah, 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 yeah. this is true. But but you know how he has two eyes? Yes. In this film, he's going to have one. What? <laughs> You're blowing off the roof, mate. And he's going to wear an eye patch. And guess what his name is going to be called? Mr. Eyepatch? Not quite. Snake. Snake? Does he have, like, a big tattoo of a snake? He does. He does somewhere, but but that's a spoiler. So <laughs> What if we get to meet a snake during the movie? Hey! Um, <laughs> uh, so, anyway, Snake, he's been a bad boy. <laughs> And guess what? He's been threatened that he's going to be thrown into New York as well. But there's one condition, one way that he can avoid this fate. But how? How, Brenton? They're going to send him in, and he has 22 hours to save the fucking president of the United States. <laughs> Brenton, that is incredible. As a Hollywood producer, you've, you're ticking all four quadrants. I'm going to give you... Tens of millions of dollars to make this movie. You know, we had Blade Runner last year in cinemas. People love sci-fi, but it was too serious. So naturally, we need the exact opposite of that with Escape from New York. Go ahead, John Carpenter, I want to say, and make this movie. That's my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my name. Cheers. Hey, Escape from New York. Um, <laughs> it's funny you pitching this movie because because you and I went to this very very blind and and when you put it into words of the premise, this movie's fucking bonkers, isn't it? 
It is. It is. It's. <laughs> it's. It, let's rip the bandaid off. Let's get straight oh, into this. I need. I need to start saying some stuff. Okay. Start Nathan, saying. did you what? Did you enjoy Escape from New York? <laughs> Mate, I fucking loved Escape from New York. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Mm. Because I did too. I had a great time. And the reason that it's so funny that you said this is fucking bonkers is because I think I had the same response to this uh, that I had to another film that we watched uh, semi recently, which Bad was. Two. No, oh. no, not quite, not quite, <laughs> not quite. No, the a little bit, but Mad Max, man. Yeah, like, it is very Mad Max, isn't it? This also could be set in the Mad Max universe. It totally could be. Mm. George Miller, or is that you? No, 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 no. It's the guy <laughs> who directed uh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, and boy, boy, it's it's quite a divergence from Halloween, isn't it? From this quiet, you know, isolated slasher film to like the world's on fucking fire. <laughs> Totally, but hey, I had an absolute blast during this movie. This, oh. what, a, what a what a what a fantastic, fantastic film! Actually, yeah, really I, will, I will it's, give I will give it that. Oh, it's just it's so tight. Like it, it, the script is just like polished to a perfect shine, where every scene has to be there, and like it's just it's so well paced, and just he goes on this bloody mission. It doesn't take much time to set it up. You just know Snake's a bad bloke, and he has to be plopped in. And he just has to save the president. It's like, it's a perfect heist film, isn't it? It totally is. And on top of that, like, the the dialogue is succinct and to the point. Uh, as as you said, like it doesn't waste, it doesn't pull any punches, it doesn't waste any time. I think Kurt Russell says maybe thirty lines in this movie, if I'm yeah. being completely honest. But it doesn't matter, like because you still get no. a, you still get an essence for his character, and Kurt Russell gives a, you know, he's oh, he's being Kurt Russell, he's giving a great performance. Did. I don't know but, like, what he was thinking, like, but he just like, and it, it, I so agree with you in the sense that he has only like thirty lines, but he makes every bloody one of those count, doesn't he? He does, like, yeah. Just the look of him. Like, he reminds me so much of an action figure. It looks like this movie was designed to sell snake action figures. You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Like, we never know why he has an eye patch. We don't need to. We don't know why he's got a chip in his shoulder. But what is that performance? He talks like he's got a, something to say, but he's, it's tough. Every sentence. Yeah. Like, he, like every, every, every sentence he says, it sounds like it's a response to a personal attack. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. They're like, it's- Snake, how are you going? And he's like... I don't know, but I'm gonna get the president. Like, is this kind of rumble? Like, <laughs> totally. Um, uh, in terms of like, because this is at the end of the day as well. It's an action film, mm. um, and I will say like there are action moments in this film, but it's not so much about those. But at the no. same time, it still captures this kind of spectacle that's not so much focused on the action, but more focused on this world, on these characters, mm. and it still achieves this kind of badass level of let's say, filmmaking, but in a different way to, say, Mad Max's car chase scenes yeah. or The Matrix's crazy kung fu uh, slow-mo scenes. It's more about... It's more mm. grounded. It's more about the spectacle of, like, this city and how it's gone to shit. And then on top of that, <laughs> just this one kind of beacon of hope, a.k.a. Snake, kind of, like, blasting his way through it. And it's funny because he's not, like... Uh, <laughs> he's not that hopeful because, like, the whole... Like, this move, Like, the premise is so bonkers. Like, the fact that he has, like, a bomb in his neck and that he has... And, like, they have this, like, giant-ass fucking timer, like, in, like, the headquarters that shows how much long he's got. And he doesn't want to do this, but, like, he knows if he doesn't, he'll die. So, like, he just takes every risk possible just to get the president. Totally, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like... Can we talk a little bit about the world? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Cause like, yeah, because because there's so much going on here that like the film doesn't address, and like 
there's just a lot to unpack here for people walking into this movie because there's some things you got to know. Like, first off, go back to what you said in the pitch. A 400% crime increase led to New York becoming a prison. Like, 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 as soon as you walk into this movie, you throw all sense of realism out the door, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And yet it's still kind of, it's still kind of creates its own sense of realism in a way because it's so Does detached it? <laughs> from any sense of reality that it just has its own it plays by its own rules i guess is the point i'm trying to make it does it's, like yeah i don't know like because like you think like new york is like the most powerful city on the planet arguably economically and like all that kind of stuff so like for them to turn that center into a prison like what happened like new york must in like because it was made in 85 and like, this movie was set in 97 so there must have been something in the 12 years that made New York this, like, fuck, we can't just build a prison on the grassy patch next to you, New York. We have to use the city itself. Like, I just, I don't understand it. Like, like, why did they use Snake and not Special Forces? Like, why him? Hey, man, Snake's, Snake's a special special breed of man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is he even human? Who knows? Like, Who does From know? what I've seen in this film, uh, he's just... He's from another planet. It's it's insane, like how that. What what I will say as well, kind of continuing on from your point, um, like about the world. It's so interesting because I think like this could have really divulged. It's funny that we've both enjoyed this so much for, to start off because this could mm. have really divulged into like a bloody disaster. That would be <laughs> the word I would say. <laughs> And yet, at the same moment, it gives you time to process things sometimes. Like, it's not mm. just, like, balls to the wall. Like, yes, it's paced very well. Yeah. But at the same time, there's some quiet moments, and not necessarily, I mean, like, really characterful moments, but I mean, like, moments that are literally no. quiet and that you can that are still suspenseful, but you can kind of, like, catch your breath. And have a thought or two before you, like, continue on this crazy, crazy ride. Mm. I think the quietest moments that you're referring to is when he meets the other characters and like the people who actually have built a society and like totally. that's where the Mad Max kind of taste comes in that you're referring to because like it, yeah like the it, the sets are incredible you believe you're in post-apocalyptic New York almost and like and as you're walking through you see these characters who've tried to make a living and they're all criminals and it's like I feel like this is what happened if like Convict Australia went wrong <laughs> like the British <laughs> just dumped off the convicts yes. like good luck <laughs> and then it just turned to this crazy ass society yeah totally Totally. That's a funny mm. thought, actually. Gosh. Well, and, and it makes escape, sense because... Escape from Australia, did someone say? Oh, a, my goodness. A? Yes. Oh, could you imagine that film? Like, oh. No. You know what that... What It's already been made, Brenton. It's called fucking Babe 2. A hundred percent. Oh, but I'd love to see that movie. And you know what? The way that, like, the city is set up, it kind of makes sense that it is set in 1997 because the city is so 80s. This movie is crazy 80s. But but the fact that they've been locked out from the rest of the world, it kind of makes sense that they haven't matured. Like, everyone... Totally. In 1997, everyone still dresses as though it's 1985. It's crazy that, like, they've managed to build the society they have, like, in, mm. in this film. And at the same time, like, it's funny that it's based around, like, 80s memorabilia, let's say, like... And so, yeah, I, I, think, I think there is a possibility that if you were to take a group of people, like a city, let's say, mm. and you were to wall it off from the rest of the world with no access to future technologies that come along, no access to, like, any news from the outside world, hey, maybe people would take what they've got and just run with it, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I guess we're here now. Well, I guess, imagine, like, those criminals. I mean, what, what would you rather go to, Brenton? Would you rather just go to a normal prison or to New York from Escape from New York? I'd rather go to New York from Escape from New York. Like, yeah. it seems it seems like that's a, that's a place that's all, all the horrifying and and kind of fucked up. There's still... 
I think the life that you could build for yourself in New York from Escape from New York has more potential than life in just prison. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, true. Like, it's just the world offers up so many questions. Like, how do they get food? Is it helicoptered in? Like, this. To be clear, this is coming from someone that has never spent a moment imprisoned in the in their entire life. So you know, <laughs> nor will they. Hopefully, <laughs> hey, hey, I've I've got to still I've still got to tick that off my bucket list. You know what I mean? But it looks like they have some form. <laughs> But it looks as though they have some form, like some semblance of a society, because they have like fucking boxing. Yeah. There's like a hierarchy. There's like a social hierarchy. There's like boxing matches. Like they have entertainment. Like I feel, you know what? Watching this movie in retrospect, it really feels like they've the Dark Knight Rises in a particular has stolen a lot from it. There's a few things that you have, have taken uh, ideas from from this mm. sp- specifically. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises is a perfect. Uh, you know, it blatantly copies this movie's plot. Like, New York gets walled off. It kind of makes this weird anarchist society. Like, I was waiting halfway through this movie for just Christian Bell Batman to rock up. Totally. Totally. You mentioned Batman because there's a video game called Batman Arkham City. Which, <laughs> which is literally, literally this movie. The, which is the same thing. It's like, literally, oh. instead of Arkham Asylum, we're going to take this portion of Gotham and turn it into its own city, just throw the criminals in there and they can run the roost. As long as they don't get out, it's fine by us. I must say, now that you mention that, this movie does feel a lot like a video game in its premise and its <laughs> <Yeah>. execution. <laughs> like, it really does, you know what I mean? I think this would be perfect for video game adaptation. Oh, totally. but could you imagine just you're fucking watching the movie and like Kurt Russell's trying to find the leader who took the president and you just, the, the camera pants it's fucking bane is like the fire rises <laughs> and then marion cotillard like comes along and like you know just casually slips a knife between snake's ribs and is like <laughs> because i'm the child of rash rage alcohol <laughs> he's like who the fuck is that like <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd be amazing oh i would love that brenton oh it'd be so good oh you know what i love about this movie as well i feel what? like I feel like with its execution, like it, it, it does its action scenes so well because there's not a lot of soundtrack. When it comes totally. to Blade Runner, it's like bombarding you with its music. But for this one, it's quiet and it's impactful, and there's a lot of small character moments with its action. Definitely, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, mm. I was get like, it, yeah, it really, it really kind of it. it yeah, sound design was actually really good in this movie. Now mm. you say that, like, we don't it was, normally talk it, about it, but like, it's y- good, isn't it? Yeah, like the mixing, especially I think, and obviously mm. editing. But especially when um, he tries to land the plane as well. Yeah, like it's, it's definitely yeah. his little glider and oh bless and oh and and like how like it adds to those action scenes. And even like there's a scene in this film which involves a car driving through, let's say, a crowd of people, and oh, this yeah. crowd might be a bit violent. Like that's a tense scene because simply because of the sound design, because it's not relying on some bassy soundtrack from the eighties that's just like drilling and being which like a lot, a lot of eighties films do, yeah. Totally. It just sits back and it lets you like view it. And I guess that's Carpenter's master's mastery, I guess. Like when you look at Halloween and you look at this film, like Halloween is successful because it knows how to use sound design and it knows how to, as as well as visual, like the visuals, of course, but like melding mm. those two things together in a way that creates horror. Whereas this is kind of melding it together in a way that makes suspense, but in a different form, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. So, and that's, I think, the greatest strength of it because it's so bloody well directed. Like, like you, you believe, you believe, like, like you're in this movie and you're holding your breath and you're, it's tense and you're like, ah. So, like, 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 it's funny. I, I wanted to ask you this, Brenton. Actually, do you think a movie like this should be remade in the 2020s? No. That, yeah, because I was, I was, I was debating with it, and I'm like, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything like better special effects could really elevate. You know what I mean? 
Totally. Like, yeah. You know what I want though? I want to see more of this. Like this, this world is so well actualized, and it ha- it's just it, it breeds so many questions. I I would love to see sequels to this. I would um I, I that's that's I'm that's where I think it should head. I think obviously I think there's a direct sequel to this that came out in the nineties. Yeah, that was the Escape LA from one, LA, which was which horrible, are, wasn't it? Which is notoriously I think was panned, yeah. but. I think even if you did something like the let's go back to Blade Runner and say Blade Runner twenty forty nine and how mm. that kind of like it's kind of like a sequel but at the same time it's kind of reboot like rebooting yes. it in a way Escape and from New York twenty forty nine yeah exactly like something that is that is a sequel or even a prequel like showing us how we get to this point yeah. or like a few years just after we've gotten to the New York meltdown let's say mm. um and just yeah just flesh out that world a bit more i don't know necessarily if it needs to necessarily focus on snake again but yeah hey like because there's, there's so much going on around him i remember at one point the the military guy who's like monitoring him the whole time he mentions that like they're at war with and they're, they're having this like with the soviet union i'm pretty yeah. sure yeah and then they're having this like conference with china and russia or something like that like like the, the president needs to be there for to maybe make peace accords or something like that. Like, like there's this, there's so much going on outside it. But this film's this tight contained story about this heist in New York, and yet there's it just breeds so many questions about what the fuck is going on with the planet. Definitely, definitely. One one criticism I will give it, Brenton, is that this movie has shit blood. Uh, yes, <laughs> I remember looking at Kurt Russell. And I think it's the 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 most fakest blood ever used in cinema before. It was like I think it was like someone got like a streak of like like not even like dark red paint like something that was the same color of blood when lights touching it but it was like someone literally just got like the red you would use to paint the big red car from the Wiggles and it just gone <laughs> You know what I mean like You're not wrong actually like <laughs> And like, like it looks, and it's so, and it sucks because this movie is so well shot. Like the cinematography is gorgeous, and yet whenever a light is shone to go Russell, you're like, oh, that's not good blood. Like, <laughs> totally, I totally hear you. I feel like that's, I feel like that's a sin of a lot of films from this era, though. Mm. It's really funny that like we've gotten better them, with our blood, haven't we? We we have, we have, and I wonder why that is because I think at the time they probably were capable of doing it, but. Mm. Was it an issue to do with... Well, I don't think... For this specifically, I don't think it was an issue with ratings or whatever. But, you know, who knows? I don't know. Remember when we did It's a Wonderful Life and we discovered that they invented, like, proper snow for the first time for movies? Yeah. I wonder yeah. if there was, like, a film... I don't know, in the 70s or something like that, where they where they nailed blood. Where they're like, this is how... Like, one guy in the crew rocks up. He's like, this is how you do blood. <laughs> he just, he just like, cuts someone open. He's like, see that blood? No, look at my fake blood. See the difference? No. <laughs> and the director's, like, screaming, like, ah! <laughs> you can't be open. Like, Get me to a hospital. Um, <laughs> no, hey, if anyone knows the answer to that, if there was a film that pioneered the use of uh, special effects and, in particular, blood, uh, save us the Google. Let us know. <laughs> let, let us send know. Us yeah, message. send us a tweet. Send us an email. We'd love to hear you. So, um, Brenton, I think it's blatantly clear what you and I are going to rate this movie. But, but yeah, but, 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 but should we? <laughs> like, mate, let's just on Thursday night. It. Thursday night. Oh, are you kidding? Thursday night. Thursday night. We are, mate, this oh. Thursday, we're watching Escape from New York <laughs> we're again. Putting it like, back we're putting on. that DVD back in, oh. checking there's no scratches that are on that DVD anymore, putting it back in, sliding it in, and putting my thumb straight up in the air. That's it's funny because I think juxtaposing this to last week's episode on um, Bloody Vegas, like, it's such, it's you could not be further apart. Or, oh, could you imagine, like, like Snake Pliskin's walking around New York and you see, like, drunk Nicolas Cage just stumbling about? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god, yes. What a, what a crossover that and no he's one got needs, a pig and it's babe from pig two with his collar 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Can we just cross oh over all God. the episodes what we've done we, in our 50s? <laughs> what are we going to call this cinematic universe? That's what I want to know. Um, Leaving New York, pig in the city. <laughs> uh, uh, let's look at that film's poster, am I right? <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, someone on Photoshop, please. <laughs> oh, Brenton, where- so, what do you rate this film? Oh, sorry. <laughs> thumbs up. Obviously, thumbs up. Are you kidding? Oh, dude, like, just you, we gotta we gotta give the audience what they want. We gotta we hear do. you say oh, those mate, words. My thumb is is it's like when you bloody put your th- thumbprint on like your security scan going through customs. I'll put my fingerprint on the poster, and I'm like, you got a thumbs. <laughs> Every time a critic does a thumbs up, they have to fi- physically put their fingerprint on the DVD copy. <laughs> Would love it. Would love it. Uh, then that's how you know. Hey, you know what a time it's for? What time is it for, Brenton? Spoilers. Nothing but spoilers. We're spoiling it. Can we talk about the fucking opening of this movie? Because like you just said, the way the president crashes into New York itself is could be a movie, could it not? It could, be, it could be. It could literally be a film in itself. It reminds me of the early Bond films, because like, cause you're yeah. in Air Force One, and it's taken over by terrorists, because, you know, whatever, and it's revealed that Air Force One has a fucking escape pod. It blows my mind that that was in this film, like, and that, <gasps> and that, like, don't think about the logistics of how that would even work. It just exists, you know? It's amazing. And you just look at it and like, and even the president, who's like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> like everyone's getting shot down and you see him pause for a second. And he's like, oh, this is pretty dope. And he gets on this little pod and I'm like, oh, but he shouldn't have survived that. Like, there's no way. I don't know what that pod was made of. Like, you look at that, you look at that plane crash rubble and it's like, it does not look as though a building has like come into a plant, into like New York, does it? Not at all. Not at all. Especially when but- Snake visits the rubble. It's he just, it just barely looks like a plane crash it's like really and the pod's just perfectly sitting on the bottom of the building it's like oh that was the thing that got me i was like what <laughs> i was like Re- really <laughs> come on but like i must say it does it gets a little bit antsy you know seeing a pl- plane crash into new york especially after 9-11 and all that especially and especially when the film features the two towers, the towers as well. yeah because yeah, yeah. he lands on them as well still like you know in hindsight that makes you a little bit on edge but, like, but you know Again, this it's just one of those things. This is a film that was made years ago before any disasters like that had even occurred. So, yeah. but it's, but yeah, it's, inter- it's I guess it's interesting to point out that watching it through a modern lens, it still gives you that. It it's just it's that natural. Yeah. We get like more antsy watching like a plane crash into the city. You're just like, Ugh. Yeah. like yeah, you get more and more on your edge about it. Like yeah, yeah. oh, but um, yeah, like I love the pacing of this film, Brenton. But like I thought. I thought at the start it was a little bit slow after the plane crash because you have that plane crash and then you were introducing Snake and I'm like and like the guy's just reading his resume and it's kind of yeah, generic like you're the baddest motherfucker alive and it's like yeah we get it it's like you know what I mean I do I, I do like you go I, I get that it was like an, like they had to get that exposition out like I get that and it wasn't the worst example I've ever seen of it but I guess com- in comparison to the rest of the film mm. yeah for sure and it's like. <laughs> At the same time, it's kind of a funny scene, that office scene, when he's sitting there, like, and he, again, like, he does that classic lighting of the bloody, what is it, what has he got? Yeah. He's got his ci- cigarette, or, oh, I can't remember, like he's, he's smoking something. <laughs> God. He just gets stoned, he's like, what, what man? <laughs> he's like, turns into Teach, just like, yo, oh. yo, just call me Snake, bro. <laughs> everyone, like, when he talks to everyone, everyone, like, he just sounds so hateful, everyone's so mean to each other in this movie. He reminds me of okay. This is a random. This is a random tangent, but he reminds <laughs> me of the video game Doom, the Doom guy, the Doom Slayer, the the oh, lead really? character in the game, <laughs> and like the Doom Slayer never says anything in that in that game. I'm talking about the remake of Doom, by the way, and it, probably the old Dooms as well. But 
he he like will literally just like walk into a room and there'll be someone there that's like a human being that's like talking to him or something and he like needs something from them so he just like will just like shove them out of the way and just like grab yeah. it and like like just is really hateful of everything he does just like smashes things unnecessarily <laughs> and like and everyone kind of just lets him do it and it's yeah like, everyone's just like all right man yeah. <laughs> like, but then again I would be on edge too if I had to sub like if I had to undergo those fucking needle guns that he gets in the movie oh my god his fear of needles how oh. <laughs> I love that he has a fear of needles. Bless him for it. But holy shit! Like the 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 size of the needles they put in him, they're like they're like bazookas. <laughs> I was like, is this a brain marrow uh, a brain, a bone marrow trans transplant we're about to watch? Like Jesus Christ! And he kind like, of consents to it. Like if I was saying, they'll be like, nah. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I was yeah. Like to be fair to everyone involved, like that's that's pretty fucked up. Here's the thing. Here's another tangent I want to put to you, Nathan. Okay. What in the hell when people are designing, um, you know, props for films and they're specifically weapons? Hmm. What makes them think that like a needle gun like that is in any way relevant? And how in God's name would that be how the future panned out? That like we would then start using <laughs> needle guns that were like. 50 fucking times the size of needles when, like, everything else is getting smaller in real life as technology progresses. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like when you see those old ads of computers where it's like, this is what a computer will be in in the year 1980. And it's like a, like a computer the size of a room and you're just like, Ooh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, but I agree. Could you, could you remember when you and I were in, like, middle school together? And we'd have to get our needles taken for the flu or whatever it was. And you remember, like, you rocking up and you'd have to get... And it was, like, a tiny-ass needle. I remember, like, back in those... We were, like, 13. You have to get your bloody flu shot. It'd be, it'd be like, the size of your finger as, like, the actual syringe. And then the actual needle itself would be, like, half a hair long. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Imagine being a 13-year-old child and you rock up to the fucking room where we got our vaccinations. And they have these bloody needle guns just, like... Oh, I would have run out of that school. And they just shove it into you and you're just like... Ah! <laughs> Oh, I could even for a guy as tough as Snake, he, oh, I would have screamed like nothing else. Like, oh, and I love like how tough he is because like I love that for example he always has a pack of darts on him. I don't know how he got it, but like he just no matter like the drag him in handcuffs, he, he somehow still has cigarettes on him. It's like do they not for just, sure like, pat him down. <laughs> like, oh, uh, do you love the scene, Brenton, where um bloody Snake goes to the bar early on in the movie and like. He meets this chick who's, like, batshit crazy. And he's like, oh, someone's sane in New York. Cool. And then, like, it turns into fucking, like, a zombie, like, like hands are coming up through the floor and shit. Oh, it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's so <laughs> random. And it's just, like... And the way he gets out of there as well, like... Oh. oh. It's so funny. Because she, like, cause she like dies the second she falls through the floor. Because, like, she kind of tumbles down. Totally. She's gone. Like, she's just gone in that moment. You're like, what? You're and like, then... Fuck. It's just like, ah. Oh. And the radio breaks in the film and you're like, shit. <laughs> it's like, it's all going to... All going to town. And, ah. Oh. It's just, I love, I love it because, like, that's the scene where I'm just like, okay, anything can happen in this movie. There was, and also on top of that, there's so many, like, windows smashed as well. Can we appreciate the windows smashing? What was the window budget in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) There was so many windows. John Garvin's like, all right. He's like, okay, here's how many windows we, he's like, he's like in the board meeting before the pre-production starts. It's like, okay, here's how many windows we smashed in Halloween. Now, here's how many windows we got to smash in Escape from New York. (laughs) And it's like fucking Spike Graph just going up. (laughs) 
Someone got a commission every time a window was smashed on set. <laughs> <laughs> Some ADs just standing on the side like, yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. It's like, <laughs> smash John, 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 I got this. I just got this idea for this shot. Maybe Kurt just comes through this way and then smashes through this other window as well. <laughs> it's like, it's like there, should have been, there should have been a moment where the movie became self-aware and there was a perfectly open door and Kurt Russell looks at it, but then he looks at a window next to it and he just decides to take like- the window. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's perfect. That would be so perfect. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Oh, I love it. Oh, um, can we please talk about the car scenes in this movie? Because this fucking taxi driver. Oh, what a, what a ledge until he's untimely death. But oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rip the taxi driver. But like, oh, I just I love him. I love that in this bonkers world of New York, there's just like this guy who just oh, that's the thing. Because I because it's the film insinuates that he just never left New York. Like he was a taxi driver before this all happened in like normal New York. And then when it turned to like this crazy criminal society, he's like, fuck it, I'll still give lifts. It's <laughs> like when you hear like just this these tales of like lo- like loyal New Yorkers that are like will do anything <laughs> for their city, and he's just like you know i've got a duty i've got people have got places to be like <laughs> I'm, I'm just i'm just gonna stick this out like you know i'm gonna have the best uber rating in the city because i'm the only one who has it <laughs> yeah i do that guy from the from like the first spider-man movie where like um peter parker's fighting spider-man around that bridge and all the new yorkers rock up and they start throwing like tin cans at the green goblin and then they're like you mess with new york you mess with us it's like <laughs> you mess with one of us you mess with all of us like, and bloody Wilm defoe's like could you not <laughs> it was so interesting that like in retrospect when you watch that film and you know that the twin towers had happened like very recently yeah like, and it was like it was kind of like at the same time trying to give this message of like it was like a pro- rallying cry wasn't yeah, it yeah like, like for together, new york like, yeah. yeah yeah against yeah, willem dafoe <laughs> <laughs> and in this movie it's not Willem Dafoe oh I wish it was Willem Dafoe but the because I got because because the criminal lord I thought when I, I first thought the criminal lord was that Goku looking guy when that he first meets in the street you know like when he's in the street and there's like that weird guy who literally looks like Goku from Dragon Ball he's got this like weird spiky blonde hair shit and he's like oh I might kill you <laughs> and he's running about he was absolutely bonkers like, let's, like what a what a ledge let's what let's a, just say what like, a performance He's fucking insane. And I thought he was the criminal like boss, but then you actually meet the bad guy. The Duke. The Duke. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what did you think of him? Yeah, like I thought like, you know, a, a pretty good antagonist until mm. until the end, which I'm I'm just going to spoil right now, that the president gets that moment. Oh my god. Where he, where he just goes off and just like shoots this guy to pieces. It's a great and setup it- as well cuz the president kind of comes across as a coward. Totally, so like, yeah. And when he gets like leveled up, Kurt Russell's like, "Fuck!" Like he's not happy about it. He's like, "Okay, fine, get up the wall." And the president vanishes, and you're like, "Oh, okay, it's all gonna go to shit." And then, oh my goodness, what a scene, Renton. That was like an emotional, uh, an emotional breakdown. If I've ever seen one, <laughs> that's what I'll say about that. Because <laughs> the president's just like, fuck it. Even though there's all these like secret service guards around him, he's like, "No, someone give me a gun," and he fucking mows down the guy. You're just like, oh. It's How amazing. crazy is it in that moment as well? So that happens, and then that that timer is still going down, and he gets the president literally just in time, like to the. It's so perfect, it's, isn't it? It's, it's when great. he was crossing the bridge, especially, I was just waiting for him to bump into Joseph Gordon-Levitt with the school bus of children. <laughs> <laughs> like, is the bomb going off yet? Kurt Russell's like, I don't know. What? <laughs> He's just shrugging. Hey, can we talk about the deaths in this film of uh, the taxi driver, obviously, and oh. uh, the the other guy whose name I, I I can't remember for the life of me. Oh, it was, um, started even- with a B, I think it was. Um, Brain. 
Was it Brain? Yeah, okay. I think it was Brain. Yeah, the scientist who's like, like, oh, because when you meet him, he says the same fucking line as every other goddamn character in this movie, where it's like, I heard you were dead, Snake. Every bloody character in this film says that when they first meet him. Snake? I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. It reminds me so much. Have you seen um? Have you seen the John Wick movies? Oh, uh, I've only seen the first one. Oh, it really reminds me of the first one where everyone's like, so are you back? Are you back? And I was just, you know how Keanu Reeves is like, everyone keeps asking if I'm back. And I'm thinking, yeah, I think I'm back. I was waiting for Snake to have a moment like that. <laughs> everyone keeps asking if I'm dead. And you know what I'm thinking? Yeah, I'm dead. Jumps off a building, like. <laughs> I'm thinking you're dead. And he just starts mowing down everyone. like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm dead. Jumps off a building and everyone's like, oh. And then the credits just roll. Like... <laughs> Oh, that would have been great. Oh, he just like shoots the president out of anger and it's like, well, that's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, but- let's talk about like kind of this, like the whole p- point of like saving the president isn't even to like save the president. It's so like you said before that he can like get to like this peace summit uh, mm. with China and the Soviet Union. And yet he needs this tape as well, which holds the key to the yeah. to stopping like like a nuclear war from, from happening. And then Snake at the end, because he obviously doesn't like the the president's, you know... Or anyone, uh, really. Yeah, well, I guess the president's political jargon, let's say, and also, like, how he's not, he's not a genuine person, like, what kind of politician really is. But at the same time, like, he swaps the tapes around. And, yeah. like, does that mean, does that mean, like, that now, like... There's a the war happens now, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. It only raises more questions. Like <laughs> people, like the pres, like the presidents of Russia and China both realized that the that the U.S. president was like almost hostage in his own city, and like and the, and they're like, holy shit, America's fucked up right now. Like this is where we should strike. Like totally. It, I kind of liked it though because it's kind of obviously this film has got its own political message and it's got its own. It's a social commentary, I think, as well as. Uh, yeah, although I'm not really sure what it's trying to say. <laughs> I don't know either. I know that, like, I know. Fun fact: I know that the the stimulus of the idea from this came from Watergate and the whole yes. Nixon scandal. Yes, and, and so you can see that it's not it, meant to be a good guy in this movie. No, and you can see that from like the last decision, like with the tape and stuff, and kind of. What does that say? And is it like kind of like a means for like the people actually like taking their power back and like not standing behind something that's like being put together like yeah, with the with the idea that it's good for like the whole country or whatever mm. or for the world even. But at the same time, like if it's not actually a genuine attempt to like fix a si- situation, the situation's never going to be fixed. I don't know. Hey. I thought I thought that was interesting, but at the same time. <laughs> When Snake, with one-eyed Snake, you know, is just like, you know, there's there's enough silliness at the same time in this I film. I love that, that scene, like, though, where the president's just like, oh, oh, I'll give you anything, ask for a favour. And he's like, and he just kind of, and you see he's like, I don't want any favours. And he's just like, <laughs> he's almost doing like a Batman voice. He's, it's like, I love, oh, it's just, it's so funny. Oh, I, lo- I just, yeah, I, I can see the president just like, oh, this is a weirdo guy, isn't he? Like, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Totally. You know what scene I didn't really get around, bizarrely? It was the boxing scene. Yeah, the... F- yeah. Which... Because, like, all- narratively, it's very convenient that... Because he loses his timer, like, halfway through the movie. And then the boxing guy happens to have it. And, like, it's it's not that good of choreography in the fight. And it's, like... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I know what you mean. Exactly. Like, it's kind of like... As soon as you put, like, a fight to death... To the death and like, a... like or, or a fight or, like, a like a warrior ring or something in a film that's set in, like, a dystopian science fiction society. Mm. Everyone... You, it sets expectations. You it know does, what I mean? doesn't it? Yeah. And I guess, like, that didn't live up to... 
um, those expectations uh, when you compare it to some other films that do like the same thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, and 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 it is an example of the film aging. Like, it reminds me like there are some special effects that just don't hold up. Even though a remake would fix it, I don't think it still needs to happen. Like, for example, when um, what is it? They're bloody having that fight on the rooftop of the twin towers, and they're trying to get the plane, and it falls off the edge. Yeah, right, yeah. And there's this, like, shot where the plane, like, spirals towards the camera, and you're like, this is so fake. <laughs> it's like, oh. It's totally. A, it is not a good look. But um, I, 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 we went over your point before, which I do want to bring back up. It was the deaths you were trying to talk about with um, the bloody taxi yeah, driver yes, and Brain. Yeah, yes, yeah. Because that I was I was upset. I was actually so sad when the taxi driver died. Yeah, totally. It's a moment of, oh, shit. Damn. Like <laughs> I can we- just see you just watching it going, oh, shit. Like, we lost some people. Like, I was like, no. It's a bloody minds as well. God damn it. Like... Oh, you know what my favourite death in the movie was? When I was... I gasped was when um, the bad guy fucking rams down the girl on the bridge. Yeah. He, like, he, like... Thousand and her body like goes flying like it's insane. Totally, like, that effect holds up so well. Did they get a mannequin or something? Because like it must have been like because she gets oh. she gets ragdolled by that. By I that was car. like, holy shit! I was like, damn. Especially because oh. the other two deaths happen and you like there's there's some hope. You know what I mean? Like there's some, mm. and then up it's just like ragdoll effect hits the body. And just gone. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I just wish like Kurt Russell just paused in that moment. He turns around and Kurt Russell's like, he just breaks his cool for five seconds and he's like, holy shit. <laughs> he's like, whoa, <laughs> like she fucking died. <laughs> like he just loses the plot. Uh, do you feel Brenton the end of this movie sets up a TV show? Because I got big pilot vibes from this. Like it was kind of the yeah, like it was the end of a pilot, maybe, and it was setting up like mm. another episode or like another scenario, like well, he said, like, he's like, I'm going to go my own way. And he kind of walks off and you're just like, I know, I feel like, I, f- I know, it feels like they could have easily done like an 80s, a horrible 80s TV show just with Kurt Russell, just like in different scenarios. Just Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's all, all the other cities of New York, all the other cities of America just all under siege at the moment. Like, <laughs> So, Nathan, I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. What stills this movie? Okay, this is the section where Brenton and I screen a screenshot, um, a moment in this movie, and we talk about this still. And if you want to see the picture, it's on our YouTube video. Um, just search Classic Movie Adventure on YouTube. The, 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 the picture, <laughs> there's a lot of candidates, um, Brenton, of what stills this movie. There's a scene in this movie where... Um, <laughs> Ah, there's a scene in this movie where Kurt Russell, oh no, not Kurt Russell, bloody, um, uh, the scientists go and try and, um, get the president and he's all chained up and Goku's guarding him and like, and, and the chick walks up to him in this, and it's in this this weird museum room and the chick walks up to him and she's pretending to be this like ally of him. And then she just stabs him randomly in the chest. And as he gets stabbed, he's pulling this horrified expression. But the way the camera's framed it is that you see him on the left being stabbed, looking at this woman, like the scream, like the portrait of the scream. And on the right is the president of the United States in this like Hannah Montana wig. <laughs> there is so much happening in this frame. It There's is so insane. much going on. So you have this act of violence happening. You have this person that's pulling this god awful face, and it's kind of it's kind of humorous at the same time, even though it's horrible. And then you know the 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 woman's face is, like, over his shoulder or whatever. Then you have the president in this weird, like, sh- smock as well as, like... And it's never explained why wig. he's in this costume I know, as well. I know. And then on top of that, just, like, over to the right of the shot in the in the background, you've got this just weird naked mannequin of this woman <laughs> as well with, like, this terrible wig on as well. 
What is yeah. going on? Like, it's Do you reckon bizarre. like there was another wig that they tried on the president, but they're like, ah, oh, it looks better as a blonde. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, dude, it's good, good pick for the still. It's just so... It's There's so much happening. It's there bizarre. Is, oh, there's so much going on. And it's, it's a perfect example of just this movie in the sense that every bloody frame is just, just packed to the brim. It reminds actually a lot of Star Wars, that when you pause a moment in the original Star Wars movie, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm. Mm. So, Brenton, how did they make this? How did, how did they make this making the movie magic, yeah? How did they make this? Alrighty, let me, let me get my notes up here because... Brenton, I want to open this by talking about Snape Plitzkin because the name actually came from a real person. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when writing um, the original script for the film, John Carpenter, he was in search of a name for the main character. He's like, fuck, I need a badass name. And he knew um, a friend of a friend who was called Snake Plissken. And and Carpenter described the bloke as like a... And and the real Snake Plissken was like a tough kind of high school guy who back when they were in school like was really, really like macho. So, and he also had a snake tattoo. So this is a real person that exists. So John Carpenter was like, fuck, I need to put him in this movie. Wow. Like, could you imagine being this bloke you went to high school with and like you realise there's a movie Escape from New York based on yourself? You'd be like, it'd be pretty amazing. Crazy. So wait, does that mean... The Simpsons character Snake is inspired by this character. Ooh, because I feel there's a lot of parallels. I don't know. I'm I'm going to talk about another one as well. Another inspiration that came from oh, this okay. film. Oh, uh, okay. Popular video game director Hideo Kojima, love him, mm-hmm. be a great guy, has referred to the movie frequently as an influence on his work. In particular, the Metal Gear series. Solid Snake is partially influenced by Snake Plissken. In Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, released in 2001, Snake actually uses the alias Plissken to hide his real identity during the, during most of the game. Now, Nathan, <laughs> do, you, do you know who Snake is from Metal Gear Solid? No. I, every All the listeners right now, Google right now in your image search Snake from Metal Gear Solid and just look at the guy. Okay. <laughs> He's got an eye patch, Brenton. That's exciting. He has an eye patch and a mullet and a bandana that goes around it. He looks like the very definition of badass. He looks... And you know who he looks a lot like? Kurt Russell. <laughs> I feel like they wanted to make like, an Escape from New York game, but they didn't get the IP rights. So like, fuck it. Let's just <laughs> make it as close as we can without breaking any laws. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Like, It takes so much from it, but, uh, but it's a good game. So whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> whatever, man. Um... <laughs> um so, for the boxing fight, um, where Snake's obviously fighting the, pr- the prisoner and that kind of stuff, Carpenter hired an actual pro wrestler called Ox Baker, and he was so rough and real that when they rehearsed the fight scenes, um, Russell's statement, Russell's stuntman only gave him one piece of advice, and he said, good luck. So, R- Kurt Russell's actually the one that's fighting him, because they right. wanted to be in the shots. And so, what he did is that Kurt Russell, during this fight, he actually, he hit um, Baker in the back of the neck with an actual baseball bat studded with nails. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. So a piece of padding was attached to Baker's neck to absorb the blow, but both Carpenter and Russell recalled the wrestler was a little open, had, um, was a little open, um, uh, before the, the stunt took place. So there actually was bleeding from it. What? Yeah. What the fuck? That's awful. (laughs) That's insane. Jesus Christ. I know. All these bloody boxing films. I swear every time we, like, with, especially with Rocky as well, we're getting such bad stories that come out of these boxing scenes. Like, hopefully when they make the Creed films these days, they're, they're a little bit more safe with the setups. Kurt Russell has stated that this is his favourite of all of his films. And Snake really? Piskin is his favourite of his characters. It's pretty good, isn't it? Like, I'm trying to think of where I've enjoyed Kurt Russell more. Like, 
this probably is the best I've seen him. Like, he was fine in Hateful Eight. Like, he was fine in Guardians. Like, yeah, he's pretty damn good in this, I must say. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, you, have, you haven't seen Big Trouble in Little China, have you? No, I haven't. It's... I'm not a fan, Brenton, to be honest with you. I don't think it's that good. So, like, he's fine in it. But, like, Scare from... Oh, I don't want to watch that movie again. It's... Oh, I don't know. I don't rate it. But, like, yeah, I think I agree with, with Russell. I think this probably is his best movie. Uh, uh, just a, another fact quickly on Kurt Russell is that he based his performance on Clint Eastwood. Oh, did he really? Yeah. I can actually see a young Clint Eastwood doing quite well on this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know what Kurt Russell needed? A shotgun. Just, Ooh. like, a Clint Eastwood shotgun. Totally. Though, his gun's pretty cool in this film. It is... Actually, I will actually, yeah, I will say it is pretty badass as well. But, like... Oh, I would love us like, oh, it's like um bloody um uh Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry. <laughs> He's just like, I know. So you must be wondering, did I fire six shots or seven? <laughs> and Carol's is just pointing it at the Duke, like, oh, would have been great. Would have been so good. Did you know that um Jamie Lee Curtis has a cameo in this film? What really? Yeah, you know who she plays? Who? She plays the voice of the computer. Oh right, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, righto. Mm. Really, so, um, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. It's nice because it's a nice little tie back to Halloween, that kind of stuff. But um, another thing that was added in this movie is that Snake's eye patch wasn't originally in the script. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell just rocked up onto set one day and he was just like, fuck it, I reckon this guy should have an eye patch. And then everyone's just like, all right, sure. <laughs> all right. Do you know what's also interesting? In between takes, Kurt Russell actually had to take his eye patch off because if he didn't, it would throw his depth perception out like completely. Really? Yeah. Do you reckon Kurt Russell's ever met with like Sam Jackson and just had a chat to him about eyepatch characters? Maybe. I reckon they'd, they'd have a nice long conversation about That's probably what they just were doing on the set of The Hateful Eight. They were just like... <laughs> they probably were <laughs> in the middle of like Wyoming freezing their asses off and he's like, fucking eyepatches, eh? Totally. Um, I, I also just wanted to uh, point out, studio executives wanted Tommy Lee Jones for the role of Snake Plissken. They didn't think oh. Kurt Russell was right for the role based on his prior work. I don't know what his prior work was to this, but like, I'm trying to think of a Tommy Lee Jones. I feel like we got what we would have gotten in Men in Black. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, it would have been interesting to see a young Tommy Lee Jones, but like, I don't know. I kind of like that Snake is more, he's just so grumpy. Like, Tommy Lee Jones is also very grumpy, but like, I don't know. I feel like Tommy Lee Jones just comes across as exhausted when he's grumpy. Like, I'm thinking hmm. of like No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's like, oh, you know, it would have been great if he was alive at the time. Bloody, um, or, or young and alive, I should say. Bloody, um, uh, Javier Bardem. Mm. Imagine him, like, in his, like, oh, and, oh, could you imagine? In his bloody No Country for All Men haircut with his little, like, like um, gas canister. <laughs> He's just walking around New York, just firing it off. Totally. I can see that. Why not? Oh, that would have been incredible. Um, the last, the last little fun fact I have was um, Donald um, Pleasance, who 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 plays the president. He actually wrote a backstory for um, his his character because if you're paying attention to this movie, Brenton, a lot of people at the time were asking, why does the American president have a British accent? Yes. <laughs> the film never explains it. And so the actor, the reason that he does is because he wrote a backstory for the character involving Margaret Thatcher and the US reverting back to being a British colony. Oh my God. <laughs> so the actor came up with this backstory, which is just bonkers in itself. And Car- and John Carpenter was like, ah, probably not. <laughs> just, just, just play the part, please. Yeah. Hey, oh, do you know what's really it. interesting as well about Donald Pleasance? He played the president. Yeah, what's interesting about him? So, the idea of putting a wig on at one point in the film was totally improvised by Donald Pleasance. <laughs> Re- I, really? Yeah. 
That's amazing. It's just like what? Like, can you imagine the props department for this? They like, like even the costume. Like they would have just walked in one day with the, okay, we're using this and that and this and that. And like, fuck it, let's just do it. Yeah. Or maybe he just did it and no one batted an eyelash. Like he just rocks up in a blonde wig and everyone's like, like sure. <laughs> I I have one last note for this film, and that oh, is the it, model of the city. The model of the city set mm. was repainted and reused for Blade Runner, which came out in 1982. Was it really? Yeah. That's incredible. So there That's you go. That's fantastic. There oh, you go. I love it. I love it. And that, Nathan, is how they made uh, Escape from New York. We did it, Brenton. Well, hey, let's look at this film's poster. Hey, Nathan. Yeah? Let's look at this film's poster. <laughs> <laughs> Just to reinforce it. Thanks, mate. Brenton, we've had a lot of favorite posters on this podcast. You know, your Blades, your bloody Babe Ones, I remember Bridge, Bridge Ever River Choir was a good one as well. That, that was, was a good. damn good one. Um, blood, you know what? I think um, bloody American um, college movie with um, cocaine. What was it? What was that movie called? The second one we did. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm talking about? nonsense. The fuck was it? The college movie. <laughs> oh, um, bloody uh, Big Lampoon's... Um, <laughs> yes. What was it called? What was that movie called that we loved? No, we didn't love it, did we? No, we I, didn't, I don't think I loved it. Um, this is horrible. Jeez. We'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, there you go. Anyway, of all the posters that we've done that have all been good, Brenton, this is a remarkable poster. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. This is this actually might be my favorite poster of the whole show. So, if you, for our listeners, because obviously this is an audio medium, we are looking down a street of New York, a block of New York, and in the distance you can kind of see the silhouette of the Empire State Building, but in front of that, on the street ground is the decapitated head of the Statue of Liberty lying on the street. And then in front of mm. that, you have the crowds of criminals who are climbing out of manholes, uh, being violent and are running at each other. And then in the foreground, you have three of our main characters uh, being led by one Kurt Russell as Snake, uh, sprinting away. Incredible stuff. <sighs> It's it's beautiful. It looks kind of painted and like and Definitely. it's like and it's like well lit with like snake and the president um running about. It's just like massive crowd people. It, it reminds me a lot of the bloody um the final shot from Planet of the Apes, the famous final yes. shot from the Apes. Yeah, yeah. We have the Statue of Liberty's head. And and even like the log line on the poster is fantastic. It's like 1997, New York City is wall is a walled maximum security prison. Breaking out is impossible, breaking in is insane. And you're like Oh. Like if you know nothing about the movie and you just saw the poster, you are sold. It's you just it gets you g'd up, doesn't it? It it makes you oh. excited, gets you on board. Perfect poster, like well done. It's so beautiful. Like I, I I out of all posters, I would hang that easily in my bedroom. Like wonderful. I'm oh, glad you yeah. like it so much. I yeah. don't think you can improve it. Like maybe no. maybe you need like it's it's great because it hasn't got the twin towers, so there's not that kind of after effects in it maybe like maybe have like the glider coming about maybe in the distance or like no it doesn't need it dude i think it's perfect yeah mm, it well is done perfect. well done great poster well done what about title talk did they escape from new york dude great title great title <laughs> it's great title as well isn't it it's just like like the title is the premise definitely it just it perfect title like well done well it's- done I feel like this is the most movie movie we've watched, if that definitely, makes any sense. Definitely. You know what I mean? I was thinking that while we were watching it as well. I was, yeah, for sure. 
Like, like this story could not be told in any other medium. It couldn't be told in like TV show. It couldn't like like this particular story in this universe. Like, I I had that thought. I was like, I thought this is such a movie. Like, <laughs> it's and that's such a weird thought to have. But I was thinking, and it was during the scene when they were driving the car through that crowd of people, and it smashes through the end of it, and then they oh drive off, yeah, was that I was thinking, this is such a movie. Like, that's a set. They're all actors. Like. This is a movie. <laughs> yeah. There is the director. Here is some lighting. <laughs> like, yeah, which I know. 24 frames per second. But I agree. It wouldn't work as a novel. It wouldn't work as a radio drama. It wouldn't work as a podcast. Like, it's perfect the way it is. Totally. But Nathan, I've had enough of us, uh, you know. <laughs> just in general. To, you just, just had enough, friends. I've had enough of us, and I just want to give the power. I want to give the power. Power to the people. Let's pass it to the people. The power. Best to the people. All right. Friends, so what lo- did the people say? I'm looking at this. Well, let's look at what the people said first of all. With an audience score on the Rotten Tomato meter, uh, it is sitting at 77%. The audience score, mm-hmm. pretty good, pretty good. But the but the critical response was a little higher, sitting at a at a at a juicy 87%. Very juicy. Yeah. Oh mate, I, I this is it's a fun time, isn't it? Like oh. yeah. Yeah, those. I think they're, they're obviously it's a great film, and those uh, people those love scores it. Are great. Know, it's yeah. not just us going like <laughs> everyone else for the reviews are just like it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Charles Cassidy from Common Sense Media says extremely dark eighty sci fi classic is too intense for kids. Three out of five. Look, look, Charles, this wasn't made for kids to start off with. I got the. But I, I feel like. like it, Elements of it were. You know how when the Terminator films came out, the action figures for the Terminators like sold sold like hotcakes? Yeah. Yeah. Like even though kids never saw the movie because they were too young for it, like, fuck yeah, Terminator is a robot that kills. I feel like the same thing happened for this one, where people were like, fuck yeah. Like kids would have seen the doll before the movie. It totally, yeah. And been like, mm. I want I want Eye Patch Man. How <laughs> No, not Nick Fury, down the aisle. Like, could you like how how old how young should I say you could watch this movie and get something out of it? How well, how young would you start? Twelve. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think tw- <laughs> this is coming from very different childhoods you and I have, but I feel like yeah, I feel like a twelve year old could get around. My this. gut was ten, but I decided to go. With <laughs> My gut was four. <laughs> My gut was uh. <laughs> Walls in the womb, just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the that's what I was bed. thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Anton Beetle from I for Film. He didn't like it. Brenton he gave oh, a rotten review. Anton, what? And he said viewing. Film today is akin to having one sense of youthful nostalgia violated. The terrible dialogue, patchy pacing, and silly costumes so easily overlooked during one's wild-eyed teen years now seem so much more obvious and distracting. But Anton, it seems you enjoyed it when you were in those teenage years. It's mm. an interesting review, yeah. So it's like in retrospect, it's like eh, not so much. I think I think what makes this film timeless, and also like what makes Blade Runner timeless and Mad Max timeless, is that these these films, which are very 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 eighties, is that they're looking ahead and they're imagining the eighties on like a hyper extreme kind of lens. So like totally, that's yeah. why when you look back, they have to be dated. They have to be from the eighties, so it kind of sticks out. It does what Breakfast Club should have done, where it's like it's where it it tries to subvert its error. You know yeah. what I mean? Totally. But Ian Freer from the Empire Magazine says, boasting one of the most iconic characters ever in Pliskin and an effective sci-fi setup, this is entertainment of the highest order. Four out of five. Hey, that's a great 
great little summation there. Yeah. It is pretty iconic. Also, the fact that we haven't really seen this character since. No, yeah. It's just... Like, the second you meet him, he seems so fleshed out. Like, he's got so much... He's carrying so much angst on him. And he's got all the... He's just screaming for, like, five prequel backstories. Like, <laughs> he should be the bloody Fantastic Beast Eddie Redmayne. But, like... <laughs> Kurt Russell's just trying to catch some magical creatures across bloody New York. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like we need to see this character much, much more. Yeah, me too. Um, Frank A, he gave it four stars and he wrote a masterpiece. In the first era of computer games, this is an amazing platform movie. <laughs> sure, I mean, he's Frank. Not wrong. Sure, Frank. I think yeah. this would be beautifully... Oh, could you imagine if the PS4, like today, they made like a AAA title adapting this game? This movie, I'd I'd be I'd purchase that day one and I'd play it. Depends who made it, but you know, I think it could make for a great game. Yeah, Daniel uh, Daniel M four four stars. Great movie from the eighties with an iconic soundtrack and awesome story. Hey, simple Daniel and to the point, and I like your review. Thanks, mate. Well done, Daniel. Robert A, four and a half stars, said, I saw this in 1981 as a B-movie to one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I think it is better than cuckoo's nest, though. It is one of the first sci-fi films that really mattered in my mind. Yay. Cool, Robert. Can you imagine? I, I kind of miss that we don't live in the, the era of like A-movies and B-movies, how they did like double features and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But could you imagine going from one flew over the cuckoo's nest to this movie? <laughs> oh my god! Like, because this, because this is good parallels. Like, it was pretty smart of them to put those two movies together. Like, you just see Jack Nicholson be batshit insane, and then it like segues to Kurt Russell being batshit insane. Sure, I mean, I'm down for that. I'm down for a double bill. We should have, have you seen du- Cuckoo's Nest. Um, no, I haven't. Funnily enough, what? How have you not seen Cuckoo's Nest? Know, it's one of the I know. best films made. I know. I do know. Oh, I would 100% watch that again for the podcast. It's so fucking good. And even how good you think it's going to be, it's even better. Like, ah. Oh, but Scat26 so says, Arkham City, Metal Gear Solid, and Far Cry Blood Dragon were born from this. This gave the 80s more relevance than it already had. I mean, we already spoke about some of those games and how they how they were very much influenced by this. And mm. it's an interest. This gave the 80s more relevance than it already had. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting thing to say. I understand that this movie does feel like it, it bred a lot of children. Like I can, you can really see its tendrils throughout, <laughs> throughout the rest of like eighties. I'm sorry with this metaphor, like, but you know, it's it, you really see its presence in eighties pop yeah. culture, can't you? Like, for sure. It's interesting. I guess like since it came right at the start of the eighties, like it kind of set the, the, the tone for it. Definitely. Yeah. Like hundred percent, hundred percent. And last of the, the people, um, Amne Amne Chan wrote on YouTube. I miss special effects like this. My God, I hate CGI. Hey, it's not a bad point, Amne Chan. I mean, some of the effects in this are like a lots of fun. That's all I'll say. They are lots of. <laughs> but you know what? I do hear in the sense that like like these sets are real sets and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, definitely. Like you could tell with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, as extraordinary as that film is, uh, it is very like. Not, it's not real. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. You can tell. Like, it's beautiful, but it's not real. Like, you know? Totally. Yeah. So, so I, I do kind of miss this, like, you can tell they just went on a street in LA and they just fucked up the street and they said, all right, let's start filming. For sure. It reminds me of when um, Game of Thrones and they filmed the bloody final battle, the final final battle of the series, and they rebuilt Dubrovnik. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of that, like, where they're like, fuck it, let's just like build a city and see what happens. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And it, it feels like lived in and like, the, again, the production design was just incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that's, we, we, Brenton, we just escaped from New York. Hey, we're out. Oh, whew. <laughs> you know what? I'm excited to go back because I've been to New York once before. I'm excited to go back now that I've seen this movie. Yeah. And just see the sights again. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe you see the sights. Maybe do like a role play of some scenes out on the streets, just like hundred percent. When I get into a taxi, I'll just be like, "Quick, we got to get back to the Twin Towers," and he's like, "Excuse me, like, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, get out of the car, cab right now." <laughs> this is New York, buddy. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to walk around and just like, oh, wear an eye patch and just start threatening people nonchalantly. Like, <laughs> Sure, but hey guys, thanks for listening in. That was a that was a swell Thank time um, doing Escape yeah. from New York. Uh, again, hey, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on the old SoundCloud. You can find us. You can find us by email as well. Please get in touch if, with what your thoughts on Escape from New York is, or if you just want to get in touch in general. Hey, we'd, yeah. we'd love to hear from Brenton's you. home address is yeah <laughs> yeah. Stop by. Let's have a barbecue. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I love this movie, Brenton. Like, just talking about it now makes me want to watch it again because it's just so fucking good, isn't hey, I'm, it? I'm telling you, Thursday night, we're going to watch it again. We are. I'm like, Brenton, what are you doing here? Like, we have to, we have to get ready for episode 59. And you're like, nah, we're doing Escape from New York again. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and we're reviewing it again. <laughs> um, of course. There's so many insights we missed. Ah. So, uh, we'll be seeing you guys next week when we review Escape from New York for a second time. We will. We will. Yeah. But, but Brenton, we've we've only got 10 seconds left on the timer. Quick, get the needles. I, um, I need this bomb out of me. I'm too scared of needles. Please, please leave me alone. No, 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 not the needle no, gun. Yeah, the, don't delay. Ah! ah!